Welcome to Free Fall, the podcast. This is episode one, chapter one. And before we get into the official chapter, here is the prelude. podcast. For those of you that are not, I highly encourage you to check it out whenever you get a chance. It is um, a really good show with my best friend and myself and our topics vary bi-weekly. You never know what to expect. But here on this platform, this is my solo endeavor and this is where I hope to flourish as an individual and grow in my creative space. This prelude is going to serve as a bit of an introduction and a disclaimer um, leading up to the official chapter. So please bear with me as this is very new for me. Um, podcasting has never even been on my radar. It wasn't until a good friend of mine suggested it and um, another friend of mine informed me of it and I considered it and I think that this would just be a good space um, to serve as a stepping stone for me to step into other things that I have in mind for myself to grow. So just a little bit about myself. Um, I'm usually very quiet, closed off. Only those that have the opportunity to be close to me really know the true essence of who I am as a person. Um, I think that majority of my life, I've always played it very, very safe. And I live my life a lot by what would they think or what would my parents think? Or I don't want people to look at me crazy. And, you know, I don't know how people going to feel about me doing this and doing that. And I honestly just got to a point where it's like, I'm tired of playing it safe. What does Melissa want? What is best for Melissa? And I just got to a point where I realized this life is mine and nobody else can live it but me. So the only way it can be a problem, any decision that I make, is if I make it a problem. You know, people have to accept what I tell them to accept as far as how my life goes. So I am trying to put my pieces together back together in my life in the way that I see fit for me. So through this podcast and other mediums, 
I will be exploring different things, different dis- discussions and different um, ways that I like to be creative and use my imagination and um, kind of see where it takes me. And, you know, hopefully you all enjoy it along the way. Since I am a avid lover of books, I grew up in a home full of books. I have spent a lot of time reading. Um, I want to recommend a book, a book that I am actually revisiting. I read this book. When did I read this book? Um, I want to say I was about 18, 17, maybe 17 or 18. And it's a no disrespect by Sister Soldier. I remember my grandparents had this book and I borrowed it and I loved it so much and I never gave it back. Um, but I love that book. That is one of my absolute favorite books to this day. And I'm actually revisiting the book. I don't know what I did with that copy. I think my mother has it, honestly, but I went ahead and repurchased it on thriftbooks.com. It was only like four dollars, three seventy nine, something like that. So I'm revisiting that book. Um, I think that I like No Disrespect more than Coldest Winter Ever. The Coldest Winter Ever was a was a really good book, but No Disrespect is more like Sister Soldier's biography and her just going through talking about um, the various people who had an effect on her life and. That just touched me a little more and a little different than The Coldest One Ever. The Coldest One Ever was entertaining, but No Disrespect was more um, educational for me. The Today's chapter is also going to be titled after this book, No Disrespect. I just think that is very fitting for what the chapter is going to be about and what the book stands for. Um, just to give you an idea, the inside flap of the book reads, um, in no disrespect, Sister Soldier, America's most notorious hip hop rebel, offers a stunningly candid book about how young black girls can grow up with their integrity intact in a very tough world. Here is a gripping and searing account of the ferocious struggle for sexual identity and anonymity that confronts every African-American, especially women. So once again, I do encourage you, you know, to check out the book. It is a really good one if you haven't already and aren't already familiar with it. In addition to a book that I'm currently reading, I am going to also be talking about a book that I am looking forward to reading. A book that I think that for those who may be in a co-parenting type of situation, a book that I have been anticipating the release of for years since it's been talked about is Blend by Mashonda, um, the first wife of Swiss Beats and where Alicia Keys wrote the foreword. I think that is very important for us to have far more discussions about this type of family dynamic because this is more so the norm now. We have a lot of blended families. We have a lot of co-parenting situations. There are a multitude of ways to handle varying experiences that people have in this type of family dynamic. And I just don't think that we have realistic conversations about this enough. Mr. Chris Classic on Instagram is who I've watched and I follow. And I just love the way that he shows love in 
love for the mother of his child and he admits and talks openly about any errors that he's made his growth process how he functions in dating and it's just a realistic view of a blended family of course every dynamic is different every dynamic is not the same it is not always peaches and cream and it is not always a fight so it's just we have to talk about all elements when it comes to family, especially a blended one, a co-parenting one. So in the official topic chapter that we're going to get into today, chapter one, no disrespect, it's going to be a little look into my personal experience in a situation that has happened um, or that we are currently going through now. I'm not going to go too deep into it, but enough to have a discussion um, about how I am trying to function in a co-parenting setting. Now, as far as the disclaimer goes, my intent is not ever to talk bad about the father of my child because I never want him to allow anyone to speak ill of me. Um, we may have disagreements, we may not disagree, but this topic and discussion that I am going to bring to you is not going to be a means to bash him, disrespect him, or to say that he is a terrible person, a terrible father, an ancient dad, you know, none of that, none of that, okay? Um, he is a good father. Um, for the most part, he's there and he's present and he tries. And we always have to remember parenting is not something that you just automatically know. It is a growing and learning process along the way. The same way that that child is growing and learning as they grow, you are doing the same as a parent. You're going to mess up. You're going to do things wrong. We both have made mistakes and I just want to um, at least put that out there because at any point, what I don't want to happen, if there is something that is said, I don't want this to be used to bash him. And I don't want you all to think that that's what I'm doing. Or if there's something that I say that you disagree with, I just want it to be as professional and courteous. And you can provide constructive criticism without being nasty. That's all I ask because I never want to... Um, talk bad about him just because he's, you know, the father of my daughter. But like I said, we do deal with real situations. It's not always good. It's not always bad, but it's just real. So here we go into chapter one. No disrespect. Is there an issue? Not an issue. It's more like just something that I kind of noticed. If you look at all my friends, church and school, I'm a chubby friend. And it's not like, like, oh, God, I just have accepted it, you know. You're not the fat friend, Chris. I noticed that I'm left out. You know, other guys and talk to them, I'm left out. I'm left to the side. And I think that's why. Guys talk to you. It's a different, it's different. It, it is. And do you think it has something to do with your size? Absolutely. I know it is. I'm not saying that no guys want chubby girls. I'm just saying that that's personally me. But I don't think that's the case. I think that's the way you're seeing it. Because it's not that I'm ugly or something. Am I ugly? No. Why would she ask me that? Why would she ask me am I ugly? I'm your mama. I only see beauty in your eyes. My size of No, baby. Way. You're gorgeous. And you know, look at this face. 
This is my face. It's brown. <laughs> it's a combination. That's something too. A lot of the guys like white skin girls. Like what? A lot of the guys like white skin girls. Look at our family. Look at our family. You and dad, light skin, dark skin. I teach you Uncle Ted. Light skin, dark skin. I teach Uncle Des. Light skin, dark skin. The only two dark skin, dark skin families is Auntie Lisa, Uncle Errol, and Nana and Grandpa. That's still two. That's still, it's not. Look at all these beautiful brown women in the world. Look at Gabrielle Union. She's brown, gorgeous, amazing husband. Look at Kelly Rowland. Beautiful. Like, these are beautiful brown women everywhere. All around you. You're light skin, so you don't really know exactly how it feels, you know? All these things that you want to have answers to, sometimes I don't. And right now I don't. What to do, what to tell her, how to lift her, how to make her smile, how to tell her not to worry. I got to figure it out. Chapter one, no disrespect. Being a mother is the primary portion of my identity. That is what people identify me as before anything else. Samaya's mother. Since the day she was conceived, it has been my duty to make sure she is protected, emotionally, spiritually, mentally sound, physically in good health. And I really have her to thank for pushing me out of my very passive nature that I was before to, before I had her. Um, I was very passive, but after having her, I found myself more often than I like in positions where I had to really fight, um, for understanding and for respect and on her behalf, really fight, you know, for people to understand certain aspects of her and to, um, make sure she was protected. She is now 10 years old and as she's getting older and I'm watching her grow into this lovely, lovely young lady, it makes me think a lot more about her mental state. And, um, I know her hormones are going to be all over the place because she's going to be going into puberty soon. And I'm just far more attentive to certain things. Um, she's always been a very sensitive child, very sweet, very aware, um, very smart. And I try to protect her as much as possible because I know I want, I worry actually about certain experiences she may have and how they will potentially affect her. One of the things that I've been very worried about and that I've picked up on is wanting her to be very confident in herself and be very comfortable in who she is as a dark skinned girl. I see a lot of dark skinned girls expressing very unpleasant experiences and I just don't want that for her. And a part of me is just kind of saddened because I know that there will be very little that I can really do to minimize the experience she's going to have. But what I try to do is build her up enough to feel good enough about herself to where when these things happen, they don't affect her as much. When I saw the clip of Erica Campbell from Mary Mary and her daughter having that conversation about the experiences she has with her friends and boys and how they interact with her differently than they do her friends, and a part of that being 
um, the difference in her skin tone, it just really broke my heart. And it, it was almost like the perfect depiction of what I don't want for my own daughter. And I imagine our conversation being something like that. And I just really, really dread that happening. So I'm really trying to prepare myself to end up having this type of conversation with her. Before I get into my story, I want to pose a question. What do you do when you identify something in the other parent's language that can be detrimental to your child's self-esteem and that parent not being receptive to you when you're trying to educate them on why that is problematic. What do you do? Do you stop the child from seeing that parent or do you have a talk with that child to tell them to not mind or ignore as much as possible what that parent is saying? Like, what do you do when the other parent is saying something very damaging and they don't want to hear what you have to say because they don't see anything wrong with what they're doing. So my daughter is a dark skinned girl. Her father is a dark skinned man. And every summer he always makes note of how black she's getting his words. Um, in earlier years when she was younger, he would just text it to me, express it to me. And then I think in more recent years, he's actually directed that toward her, said it to her. Now, I know for as long as I've known him, he's not really good with his words. His intent is not the way it comes out. How he means and what he's trying to say, it comes out completely wrong. He's just completely wrong in his verbiage. Um, but he always makes note, dang, you getting black. She getting black, you know, Ooh, she getting black this summer. And that has always bothered me, bothered me, bothered me. Now in the past, I would either ignore it. Don't even address the text or I would respond in a very snarky way to let them know how problematic that was or how unkind that was. Um, I would just, you know, do it in a very indirect way to let him know that's not cool, that's not okay. But he nonetheless continued to do it. So just this past week, my daughter returned from a trip out the country. She went with her grandparents out the country back to um, Ghana to visit some family and to just spend time um, traveling a little bit, you know, outside the country because her grandparents are world travelers. When she returned, we had to have a conversation about her self-esteem and how she was feeling about herself based on something that she expressed. While he and I were texting back and forth and he was trying to think back to why she could possibly feel the way that she feels, he made mention to me that before she left, he had, he had said to her once again, dang, you getting black. And he told me how it seems like she's very sensitive and everything seems to hurt her feelings. And when he told her that she didn't like that at all. 
So now, because I know he's directly stated this to her, and I know that um, we are now talking about an emotional issue um, with her, it's now time to directly nip this in the bud. So as I proceeded to inform him of why that language was completely wrong, I mean, I broke it down. He didn't understand where I was coming from and wanted to tell me how wrong I was to even tell him what he can or cannot say to his daughter. I never attacked him, never came in a angry way. I just simply told him that has never sat right with me and that is very problematic to say. Despite what I think you're trying to say, those choice of words are very rude and insensitive and it's not a really kind thing to say, especially to a dark-skinned woman, because mostly all of them, most of them have really bad experiences and are usually treated second tier. So with me knowing this, I've been around enough dark-skinned women to know what their experiences are. So I understand. And this is why I worry about her. I'm trying to get him to understand that this is not okay. You have to find a better choice of words. If you're simply just trying to say you're getting a tan, you know, then say that. But find a way to let her know that, you know, you, you got a beautiful tan. Ooh, that's a nice tan. You darkening up. I like that. Something that ends in positivity. This world is very unkind, very unkind. And so she should at least have a safe haven and home, whether it's my home or his home. Your parents are should be the ones who are kind to you and build you up and only speak positive words in your ear and in your spirit. And when you're not even being fed goodness in your own personal space, that is an issue. I don't even like the whole issue of colorism. It bothers me to my core. I am very familiar with it. I have seen it. I have not been, I haven't directly experienced it as far as it being done to me. I am not a dark skinned woman. Um, but I do have cousins. My grandmother's a dark skinned woman. I have family. I have seen it in my own family and it is not pretty. Family is divided by this. You have siblings that care, you know, respond and deal with each other differently. Family members that want to, don't want to deal with other family members than the others. It's just not a good look. And at the end of the day, we all black. We all black. And to these white folks, we ain't nothing but a bunch of niggas to all of them. So I just wish we would be a lot kinder amongst our own to one another. But back to the story at hand. So as I continue to try to use this as a opportunity to educate and get him to understand why his words are not okay, he became angry with me because he felt like, who are you? He he literally said, who are you to tell me what I can or cannot say to my daughter? It is the truth. She is getting black. I'm not lying to her. So why can't I say this, these things to her? Why can't I tell her that? Because she is. So I proceeded to tell him, that's fine if that's true, but you need to find a better way to express that. There is no positive, there's no positivity in you getting black. It comes off in a very negative way. So, I mean, I just don't understand why he wasn't hearing it. Like when you hear yourself say this, 
Why does it sound okay to you? I've heard my daughter on more than one occasion make mention to me about how she doesn't want to be outside too long because she's going to get dark or she doesn't want to go do this and that out in the sun because she's going to get darker. That bothers me. Like your concern and worry should not be that at this age or ever for that matter. Like enjoy your life, have fun, play outside. Regardless, your your skin is beautiful. I build her up. I tell her all the time, you're beautiful. I love you, your skin. I love it. You know, I try to make sure she's surrounded by by others of her skin tone. I try to make sure she sees the representation that looks like her. I want her to know that they're out there doing things. It's just very important for me that she is aware that black is very beautiful and there is nothing wrong. There is no error and no mistake in your skin tone and who you are. Ultimately, that conversation did not end well at the end of the night. Um, it, it did get kind of disrespectful because I was at the point where I just wasn't having it. Like, we are not going to play around with her self-esteem and you wanting to just say whatever, however you feel you want to say it. No, we going to, this is where I have to put on my armor. I, I don't like to argue. I don't like to, um, go back and forth but you know here I am about to suit up and you know we're gonna go to war until you understand because it's very important for us to get on the same wavelength it's just very important thankfully enough the following morning I got an apology from him because he showed the conversation exchange to his wife who let him know that he was wrong and I don't know the depth of their conversation. He didn't give me all of that um, information, but he did let me know that he um, he was told that he was wrong. And then at that point, he was ready to ask questions and he said he wasn't aware that dark-skinned girls didn't like to be called black. That still was problematic because that's not the issue. It's not being called black. You know, they identify as black. It's just that the way you're putting your words is just wrong. But, you know, I always have to rework my mind when it comes to talking to him sometimes because I know that he just, his words are just different despite his intention. You know, that was another thing I had to try to make him understand was that just because it sounds okay to you, you have to be mindful or just because your intent is is good, you know, as far as you think it to be, you have to be mindful of how it may affect the other person. You just have to be mindful about how you're coming off to other people. Honestly, I really dreaded having that conversation um, for a number of reasons. No one ever wants to, you know, come to the other parent and say, look, you're wrong. You're doing wrong. You know, and I told him, I said, I don't think you're a, a shitty person. I don't think that you're a bad parent. You know, you do your best as a father. And it's just like your choice of words are just wrong. We just, you just have to do better. We have to do better. I mean, no parent, no one that has had children gets it right a hundred percent. You know, there are very many parenting styles and along the way, you just figure that out as you go. But the thing is, as that child is growing and getting older, you too are growing as a parent, or at least you should be. 
you know I know in my case I am things that you know my views on certain things have changed as I've gotten older just as I matured as a woman you know my parenting style and I pay attention to certain things that I may not have earlier and I just feel um I just feel like you know as I start to identify certain things that may be problematic and me as a parent and things I may need to change I think that is very important to have a conversation with that other parent also for them to also think about well maybe you want to reconsider this because we may not be going about this and that the right way I think that when it comes to two parents sharing the responsibility of raising a child from two separate households it's very important to not just have conversations when the child is doing something bad and to not just come together in celebration of like graduations and birthday parties and Christmas and, you know, holidays. But it's very important to check in and make sure that you all are on the same page as parents to make sure that um you all are a united force and to make sure that even your significant others are understanding and on the same page also I really hope that she understands that I get it as she gets older I don't want her to think that I just don't understand because I'm lighter and I don't I haven't shared the same experiences that she's probably going to experience I just don't want her to think that I don't understand um, that's the part of the conversation between Erica Campbell and her daughter that I don't want my daughter to think I don't get it because I do get it. And this is why now I'm trying to prepare myself as best as possible to shield her um, and to make sure I can be there for her properly in the event that she doesn't have any good experiences. I just, I don't know, this just bothers me a lot. I'm just really glad and fortunate that he did eventually come around, not even 24 hours later. Um... And I'm very thankful that his wife was able to help him to understand what I was trying to get him to see. And I know that there are others who are probably dealing with the same thing of not being able to talk to the other parent and get them to understand because they just, you, I mean, some people just don't like to be told anything. And even when it comes to the well-being of the child, their dependent, a shared, you know, soul, a shared being, that's not even enough for a person to at least sit down and um, try to understand what the other parent is saying. Some people are just dead set on not trying to hear it at all and continue to do what they want to do. I feel for people that are in that situation, um, I honestly thought this was about to be that for a second. But I am very fortunate that there were other people, the significant other that was involved who was able to really step in on my behalf without me having to even, you know, talk to her at all. But what I will say for those that are still trying to um, maintain or even get to a place of a healthy co-parenting situation, don't let up. Do not. You can't let up. I was prepared, you know, for whatever at that point, for however long it needed to be, because this was very important. We're talking about her emotional and spiritual well-being that we're not about to tamper with that. Not one bit. We're not about to play with that. You know, um, you can shut me down and close me out as much as possible. You're going to get to a place of understanding. 
<laughs> you gonna get there. But fortunately enough, he got there without me having to, you know, really raise hell like I was prepared to do. So like I said, I know there are many, many different situations, stories, um, that people are experiencing in this blended family co-parenting dynamic. I would love to hear some of them. Like I said, it's very important that we have these conversations that we know that we're not out here alone, just, you know, trying to figure it out. Um, every family structure is not a two parent, you know, household. Um, there it is blended and it, it's many different family dynamics and we need to have more realistic conversations about these different family dynamics. In closing, I'm going to share a little something from Sister Soldier's No Disrespect book to leave with a little positive something. So it says, I believe in God. I believe God is spirit and the power of God lives in the soul of every boy and girl, man and woman. The reason why most of us don't feel we have the power of God inside us is because we are not taught that it is there from childhood, nor are we taught how to use it. We live our lives wondering why we do not have focus and understanding. We wonder why things are the way they are. Some of us wonder why things and conditions don't change. Many young people say there is no God because if there was, things wouldn't be as bad as they are. They give up on life. They neglect the power they have within themselves. When things get worse, they say, see, I told you there wasn't any God, but things will continue to get worse if we don't find a simple way to reach the God in ourselves. God gave us human will. Thus, we have the power to control each and every action we take. God may say, do not steal, but people de every day decide to steal. That's will at work. When we make bad decisions, we suffer consequences. Sometimes we blame God for the sins we ourselves committed. We blame God for the conditions we found ourselves in, or we blame the racist system we live under. And we are not entirely wrong to do so, but God gave us minds with which to think. Remember, no one will save us but ourselves. Neither God nor white people will do so. All right, so... I thank you for tuning in to my very first episode. I look forward to hearing from some of you. I can be found on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Mona Lisa. That is M-O-H-N-A-L-Y-S-S-A-A. -S -S and the Free Fall brand is on Instagram. Thanks for tuning in. Yeah, your kids and be your mama too. Cause I'm a woman.